All right, let's get started. This is the Astor Education Podcast. You're currently tuned in listening to Robert Astor and Miss Catherine. I like to call her emerging critical race theory scholar. How you doing? I'm doing all right. It's chilly. The weather, the weather's getting to me a little bit. Oh, it is so cold. It was like 19 degrees the other day. I know. I, I woke up the other morning and it was negative six. And then Ooh. it just kept going down. And I, I didn't do anything that day. I, w- I was not about to go outside, do a thing. Nope. Hard pass. Yeah, well, hopefully all you listeners are staying warm out there. You know, you guys are tuned into this podcast. So hopefully this will be a mental stimulation for you. Maybe that this will warm your souls, right? Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and if you guys are interested in more education reform, life education, school change, give me a follow on uh, Aster underscore education on Instagram. And, well, let's get started. So before we get into it, the trivia. And I always like to forget the trivia. The trivia. What is your question today, Catherine? What do you got for us? Yeah. So I'm going to start us off with the, the answer to our last post trivia, which was how many HBCUs are there within the nation? Keeping in mind that I believe some are reopening up and what is currently ranking at the top. And what I have been able to find is uh, there are about 107 HBCUs, which I wasn't prepared for that number. That's a pretty, pretty high <laughs> number. I, I, I hadn't realized. And ranking at the top is Spelman in Atlanta, Georgia. Go Spelman. Um, if you'd like to hire me one day, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say no. <laughs> um, right. And then this week's question for, I'm, I'll just get into it. In what state? Bonus for the town, did a KKK member and a black community organizer have to come together under the guidance of the NAACP to figure out how to get black students into their, into the school system after the black school burned down? Hint, there was a movie based on this story released in about 2019. And, um, I have been a little bit behind on even posting the trivias for the listeners. You guys have been, you know, hearing what we've been saying for the trivias, but I will get started on making Instagram posts and social media to really get some buzz around that going. So be on the lookout for that. I'm always saying be on the lookout. So there, there's that. All right. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm, what's the word? Personally. An expert. I, I, yeah. All right. I don't like to say expert, but sorry. Sure. An expert. Um, I like to, to say personally entrenched, <laughs> yes. personally entangled with this, this topic. We're going to talk about um, redesign our schools. Uh, like how can we, I guess, shift from our current production consumption model to a more creation recharge model. Mm. Um, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. You wasn't ready for that one. Man, I was not ready for that one. <laughs> you know, it's interesting the way. Thinking. Yeah. You know, it's almost like you think about this subject constantly. Almost. Um, <laughs> man. So I uh, I get a, a little frustrated, you could say, with our current model of curriculum where we follow, like, what? The common core standards. And so we have a standardized, put that in air quotes, standardized curriculum. 
-hmm. But we also have, at least in in where I work, a need for teachers to teach students where they're at. So that's like individualized plans for students. Um, And I know a lot of schools have IEPs, but even more so generally just meeting kids where they're at to get them on level. And I think teachers across the board all have to do that. So then my question is always, why have we, in an unstandardized classroom, students aren't the same, how do we, why do we have standardized curricula or tests or even think that it is possible for a single teacher in a classroom of upwards of 25 students to teach 25 plus learners the same exact way? Um, well, we, we already know the answer to that one, you know, because we're still holding on to those old ideas of the factory, um, you know, industrial revolution, factory model of education, trying to meet the need of creating because there was a lot of different products and just different inventions and things that were coming into being and they had to get people to man them. And that's really where that 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 stems from, you know, that cookie cutter. Let's get as much into their minds as quickly as possible so that way we can get them out working as possible and like that's why but i think the real question is why are we still holding on to that like why mm-hmm. you know in 2022 now with the digital age and you know access to all these different ways of making income and just the like more acceptance of different ideas more flexibility like more mental flexibility now why do we still hold on to that and i like i think that's like one of my my answers or one of my conjectures would be to maintain power, like to maintain a certain level of control over the masses. I, I'm, I'm really like, I know this is sounding like conspiracy theorists, but you know, I don't usually like to go in that direction, but I don't know. I've been thinking, like I said, I've been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of reading and uh, it just doesn't seem like mainstream society wants you to develop that mindset where you're, coming into being or coming into contact with limitless intelligence and really tuning into your intuition seems like they just want you to to let other people do the thinking for you and follow directions and you know really just be distracted to be honest with you so it's like how Mm -hmm. can we move from that to creating a curriculum that will eventually lead to us cultivating a brighter future a catchphrase always got to have the catchphrase yeah, I, I think power is always uh, not even just an element, just like a very large factor in a lot of the systems that we deal with. And part of me, well, no, I agree with that. Power is something that very few have and will do not want to uh, redistribute. And then part of me also thinks, do we not know how to? If we reflect back on these past few years that we have been living with COVID, you know, everything shut down, kids are out of school, there was homeschooling, online schooling, uh, hybrid schooling as kids transitioned into schools. Now, a lot of kids are back into brick and mortar schools. It's not that we don't know the issues before we re-put kids back in a COVID world into schools. It's do we even know where to begin to reconstruct how we view education as a tool to develop 
the society we want versus adhering to trivial standards created by some power-laden entity. Is there a reason if I'm someone who is really great in English and terrible in math, and I have to take the SAT to get into college, but I'm never going to look at math again in my academics, and the math schools scores bring me down and influence the way I go off to college. You know, so do we even really know how to break down the system that we have? And that's the question I'm relaying to you. <laughs> well, you know, I think part of, the, of breaking down that system is using the influence, the implements that are already in it, uh, like against it. So that's what I'm talking about when I use social media. Like, that's why you'll see me talking about, you know, all right, is COVID-19 really real? You know, is how like talking about the level of belief or, or talking about how many things happen to intuition and rebuilding the schools. Like it, it, these are all channels that people use as distractions or as the, the media uses to distract people, which is, you know, the actual news, the social media, um, celebrity news and like sports, all the entertainment stuff. So if we can use those outlets to just tell a different message and like kind of inundate those channels somehow, I think that would be a good that would be a good start. And, you know, just having people urging people to shift what they decide to consume. It's like, all right, you could choose to consume this podcast that we're listening to right now, which is on education reform, school change, life education. Or you could choose to listen to the latest rap song or, you know, watch the latest TMZ episode. You know, it's up to you. It's really like we have to start taking more control over the reality that we create for ourselves. We can't keep waiting for someone to do that for us. You know, we have to pull mm. the trigger ourselves. So I think that's part of, that's really the start is, you know, wh what are we doing on our own end to make sure that we are in, in fact cultivating a brighter future? Mm. You just brought up two things for me. And the, the first, I'm definitely going to have to uh, write some stuff on your ideas around uh, COVID and, uh, like you had a post about psychosomatic symptoms. Right. Um, I, 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 this is, today is not that, but I, ha I have questions about that. Um, but I don't know if we want to get into that today, but, um, and then right, the second, right. yeah, just cause I feel like I, we could go off on a whole tangent with that one. Um, yeah, that's, that's supposed to be its own episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The second one is, where, where you're talking about social media, the influence that people have, you can, you can watch reality, you know, the Kardashians and all this other stuff. But have we created a, a world so full of economic disparities that for most of us, the closest we will ever get to living the life we dream of is through a screen. And so that escape of reality is sometimes the what fuels the soul where sometimes education can feel like it doesn't match where we want to go it doesn't match who we want to be it doesn't match our general circumstances and the realities of our neighborhoods and the realities of how we view our futures and that's where we are today so is it almost like uh all all, all these different social media platforms and all, you know, all these different reality TV shows, the wealthy have become so wealthy, the poor have become so poor, 
And the middle class has become so small that all people can really do to hang on to dreams is consume their dream lifestyle because that's the one escape they have from the life that they live daily. And I, and, and I, and I guess the, the overarching question will be, how do we shift that, that gross disparity within economics and within reaching goals through, uh, how, do we, how do we disrupt that with education so that um, the media we consume has less to do with rich people being rich and more to do with people showing others how to pursue their dreams? and hustle on their own. And unfortunately, hustling is what we all kind of have to do these days because everybody needs a job unless you're in that uh, top, top tier of uh, finances. Yeah, you know, I think it starts with the interests. Like if you're going to get anybody to do anything, that has to be something that they care about. So you have to start at where people want to learn more about or what they are enjoying or what are they curious about. And... Uh, I don't know. I know that that's, that could be like, all right, well, how do you see that in practice? Well, it goes kind of back to where we were saying about having those safe spaces, like creating those, because it's like, all right, how do you get to people, right? You could get to them, you know, using the televisions, you know, using the, like maybe as advertisements, like for these events. Um, and then once they come out to these, like, let's say a library or like some kind of like community, some kind of close local event, like someplace where they can meet up with everybody else then this would be a good time to like assess all right what are your interests what are these different things or you can even send out like surveys or whatnot um but yeah really trying to figure out what do people want to do whether they want to learn about and figuring out ways to incorporate life education using those interests i don't know i just i don't know like how like the logistically like how that would work like the concrete way to get that all set up but like that I'm like place mark marking the main overarching idea, which is to find people's interests and use that as a way to build a bridge of connection between you and them. Yeah. And then move forward with life education from there. And, and to me that, that brings up, where is the social responsibility? Where is our community responsibility? So at my old high school, there was a tech center and there was a place for uh, auto body mechanic shop. And um, my dad, who taught at the high school, would, whenever the car had something that they could handle that needed to get fixed, he would bring the car to the school's uh, mechanic shop so the kids could work on it. So where, where, where's the social? Because I recognize that not every school has the capacity to do that. Not every school has a space to have a tech center attached to its high school and have the capacity for people to bring in their cars. So is there a responsibility at a certain age when kids are in high school that the community start allowing kids in their businesses to practice those trades? So they can get excited, so they can gain experience, so everything isn't necessarily about their grade, their whether or not they're in the highest quartile of their class or what have you. Yeah, that just brings up within curriculum and within access, is there a responsibility that our communities aren't taking up? 
I could tell you that that's a responsibility that I plan to take up when I start running and founding different schools. Because if you want effective teachers, the best teacher is somebody who has experience in the field, right? Not just somebody who studied China from abroad, but like actually has lived in China for a bit and, you know, have had direct personal firsthand, um, you know, experience in that country. So likewise, I would want to also have somebody who is experienced like so for like, the same thing you just said like you're talking about somebody for cars if this is a class that we want to teach kids how to fix cars so let's get an actual car mechanic in to teach or for this is going to be a, a a speaking class you know how they have presentation skills as a class let's get a uh, an award-winning presenter you know public speaking person speaking uh agent or something like that someone who's actually in that industry to out to teach this class you know all right if we want to like learn about astronomy okay get an astronomer from the field like that would be part of my strategy is like to get the actual people in that industry to to teach and the short answer to your question yeah i, I do think that it's up to i would guess i would say like the school community like the community the school board to start like really applying or finding that type of talent for the classes because it just makes more sense and really trying to get a better, higher simulation for students as well. Like just being in a class with four like four walls is not enough to learn, like to really get the full brunt of something. Like if you really want to learn about gardening, you shouldn't learn about it from the classroom. You should learn about it from the garden. Like you should actually go outside. And they have class, they have schools like that too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking exactly where like where we're right now, off the top of my head but they definitely have like garden schools or like, you know, farming schools where it's like they will incorporate, you know, meditation, mindfulness, agriculture into their curriculum. And it's just a daily part of like the air of the classroom. Like it's not like an add on. Yeah. And, and I guess I'm even thinking like, if you, if I'm, if I'm a high school student and I live in an area with fairly reliable public transportation would it be part of the the community's responsibility and the school's responsibility to develop partnerships with mechanic shops, with barbershops, hair salons, with what have you, so that high school students can gain tangible experience to go on a resume in a field that they that they choose to go into and can leave high school with a set of skills that they that they believe they want rather than studying for the college they may never attend due to the the cost the the financial burden that comes with with uh, a bachelor's degree yeah yeah and you know i definitely do think i'm not sure if you mentioned this one but i definitely do think that the tests like are another thing that get in the way too do they really need to waste time studying for these tests that are not really applicable to them like how you said like do you need to be studying math that you won't be using in your daily life or your college or whatever like like whatever like career like you choose like if it's not something that's going to be applicable to you like why take so much time to work on it so i think that is one of the things that has to change too is more student co-creation uh, like having them have a more like more of a say in what they want to learn and that should start from earlier on too. And definitely getting rid of those standardized tests because the tests shape how the classroom, the daily classroom goes. You know, the teach to the test model is what gets in the way a lot of the time 
because uh, a lot of the time is focused on covering material just for the test and that prevents any real meaningful learning from occurring they just do a lot of memorization at that point because you need to know the information by the exam or else you know the mm-hmm. teachers won't get a bad will get a bad rap or bad reputation mm-hmm. or you know it just a lot of rule a lot of um ranking uh, worries and things like that so there's a lot of things getting in the way a lot of minutiae getting in the way of the true essential qualities of education um, and with, with that, I, I do want to say that we are running light on, on time. So this is going to be a lightning, you know, you got 60 seconds to, to answer the, any question of your choice. I know you have, I know you have like probably three, I don't think you even got to the real three questions. <laughs> um, so maybe if you want to like, I don't know, say something really quickly, maybe you won't have yeah. time to answer your question all at once, but eh, just, like, what do you, yeah. what is your closing thought? I just, yeah, I guess in closing, I, I'm just thinking like, I think that, every subject is important, but I'm wondering if every subject is applicable to every student. Now I will admit I'm terrible at math, um, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean math isn't important in my life. I just wish I had learned the math that would be applicable finance classes, you know, how to do your taxes, how to do loan applications, how to Mm -hmm. do whatever you need to do with banking um, that would have been the math that would have been helpful for me to know because I could have contextualized it in my life. So I guess I'm, I'm just, maybe we need to shift curriculum in a way that contextualizes subjects to tangible events in students' lives versus yeah. having them seem so abstract and I think the abstract nature of education sometimes is why students tune out at any level of, yep. of their education. Why am I doing this? It doesn't apply to me. I'm not going to pay attention. It becomes yeah. a mindset. And then that mindset turns into, well, I don't like school at all. Why even bother? Yeah. But if they were learning about like how to make, because they watch a lot of videos on Instagram and TikTok. And, you know, they, you know that, I'm just using social media because that's one very applicable thing that they use in, in, you know, the millennial age, or I don't know, what is it, Gen Z? I don't know. But, you know, like, they're using that. So it's like, all right, use that to teach or use that to conduct a class. Like, all right, like, show you using a reel, you know, create a reel, you know, showing me uh, how to, I don't know, whatever. Like, you know, like, but, like, using, mm-hmm. like, a medium that they could understand, you know, it's like, they care about uh, current events. And they care about... uh you know, games or things like that. So it's like, you could even, you could still teach the same, like similar concepts using, like, but just in that language or in using those tools, using that, that those, that setting, you know? And even Maybe. that, it's, even that, that itself is not like the best, like that we're talking about, like that needs to be, cause that's really just differentiated instruction, you know, like that's just mm-hmm. making it tailored, putting it in a way that's palatable, but still saying the same neoliberal education stuff like we need to change mm-hmm. the actual choice of topics in class like like not just like all right you can add on something all right i think we could take out maybe geometry or stuff unless of course you need that but the default one should be something like you know emotional intelligence like that should be a default class like or public speaking you know things like like that you actually would need to do in your life regardless of who you are like you always are going to have to talk to people are you always going to have to know how to manage your emotions like that at universal so 
that should be automatically in the in every single class. So, so things like that, like that's the kind of uprooting of the curriculum and rebuilding, rethinking that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I just, I guess I, I'll part with one question that I won't answer. I'll turn it over to anyone who would like to uh, send uh, Robert a uh, message, which is what do you wish schools would teach and include as part of the regular curriculum? I know we just gave a bunch of our ideas and we'd love to hear some of yours. Yeah, that's a beautiful question, right? So you can send your message into at uh, Instagram. That's where my main action is, okay? Instagram, Twitter is there a little bit too. Um, they're both the same. It's going to be at Aster underscore education. And Catherine, yours? Catherine underscore McKenna underscore. Oh, we out here. First tea with it, okay. <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. So we've got that. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Aster Education. Um, This was an episode on redesigning curriculum, redesigning our schools. Don't worry. We'll have much more on this topic because it's one of our favorites. So we'll we'll, we'll be back with more. But um, yeah, definitely give us a follow on Instagram and um, be on the lookout for more episodes. Um, Once again, you've been listening to Aster Education. Stay cultivating.